0: Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message.
1: Well, tonight, I'm sorry to tell you this, we're going to talk about budgets again. I just, I can't get, I can't get through with this financial business, but I really expect tonight's going to be the end of it, okay? I really do. But I had some things I really wanted to, to share with you tonight and kind of review a couple of things. Uh, as we ended two weeks ago, and I appreciate Lori <clears throat> taking the time last week, you know, to share her testimony and just talk about giving and stuff, because, you know, you need to hear that it works. It works for you. Not, it doesn't work just because for us, like, because you're a minister, no, we live it just like you live it. But you need to hear it sometimes from somebody who's been there done that. Yeah. You know, we've all faced these 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 same things, you know, that she talked about last week. And it's it's good to know that you're in good company. Amen. You know, when the enemy tries you, when he when he puts pressure on you, you know, when he says this doesn't work, you know, you need to know it does work. Yeah. And the other people have found that to be very true. But anyway, two weeks ago, as we were ending, I was talking about um some things about just getting your, your, your life in order, your estate, let's say, in order. How remember, I mean, you talk about the love box. Yeah. Okay, is that the only person you want know talk about the love box? Okay, the love box. What is the love box? Anybody want to tell me? It's all your important papers in one place so that should anything happen to you, whoever's going to come behind you and take care of business when you're not here can find it all. When my father passed away um, I mean, of course he wasn't expecting to die, he had a little accident he had Parkinson's already, and, and he was getting much, much worse with that, but he had a little accident at home, broke his neck, and he went to the hospital, and they threw a lot of things, and you know, over several weeks, um, he just declined rapidly and, and he went on to heaven. But you know, my mother thought that they had everything pretty much lined up, I mean, as far as where everything was. And uh, we actually found an insurance policy that my dad thought when it wasn't any good because he'd stopped paying on it several years before. He thought it was just no good, and he'd put it in a different place. But we found it, and I went, well, you know, might as well contact him and see. That was worth 80 thousand dollars to my mom. And was, the, the dividends on that policy had, been, had kept the premiums paid for several years. And if, and well, if we hadn't found it, there was an 80 thousand dollars that she would never have had the benefit of. So record-keeping... It's a very good idea. And having it all together in one place is a very good idea. Uh, having your passwords to, because you, you people are in a digital age, you know, some of you younger ones, everything is digital. You know, you need to have something somewhere in a very safe location. Maybe use password safe or something so that somebody can get to it if something happens to you. I mean, I told you the story about the man who was traveling overseas just in the last six months, who was the manager of a a management firm that handled millions and millions and millions of dollars in cryptocurrency. Now, how cryptocurrency works, I'm not really sure, but he was the manager, the account manager for, for this fund, and he died unexpectedly while he was traveling overseas, and he was the only person with the master password and all that money, as far as I know, is still sitting there and nobody can get to it. That's that's really not wisdom. So make sure that your love box contains all your information about your financial affairs, uh, life insurance policies, uh, deeds to property, um, annuities, what you owe people, account numbers, you know, put all that in there. So if somebody needed to take care of something because you weren't available, then they could, they could find it quickly and be totally, you know, secure in the fact that they've got it all. Um, we talked about, we didn't really get a chance to talk about this because uh, Leah came and reminded me of it after the service was over, but you really need to have uh, something in that box that gives somebody else power of attorney or make sure that somebody has... Power of attorney is only good as long as you're living, but if somebody has power of attorney, should you be incapacitated to such an extent that you could not take care of your business somebody else could do it um, you know we've seen you know several instances where somebody you know has a has a maybe an older parent you know who's no longer able to function on their own and they go down to just to the city of high springs and want to do something different on their account and they can't because they're not listed on the account if you have power of attorney you can conduct business for that person you know um Many people, you know, get it to a place where they, you know, they are debilitated, maybe by a stroke, maybe Alzheimer's or something, you know, and, and nobody thought that, you know, this would come to this, so nobody was prepared for it. If You need to make sure there, there's somebody who has power of attorney that's only used in the case of you being disabled or, or incapacitated in some way. Then there's also, you need to make sure you have somebody who knows what your medical directives are. This is good, wise planning. You need to make sure they know what you would like. You know, and for for one person of one age, it's different from what another person is. You know, just having a medical background, I know so many of you do as well, the kind of of life-saving measures you would use on a younger person, they're just not warranted, you know, when you get to a certain level. You know, when somebody's frail, I mean, you're doing more harm than good by certain life-saving measures. So somebody needs to know what you want. There needs to be somebody that you've already assigned to take care of your medical decisions if you're not able to. Now, this is all just very practical stuff. I know you don't think, well, that's not very spiritual. Listen, God expects you to make good choices and wise planning. You know, we're going to be talking about that a little bit more. And this is one of them. I want to talk to you real quickly about organ donors. How many of you are are an organ donor? Is it on your driver's license? Let me clue you that maybe not be a good idea. We ran into a situation with uh, somebody that we know, a pastor, that uh, a young man was in an accident and was declared brain dead. Now, he put on his driver's license that he was an organ donor. The parents were not ready to give up on him. They were not ready to give up believing God that they could pull him through this thing. And there have been times when people have pulled through after they were declared brain dead. I mean, God's mighty God. And uh, before they knew it, this team was there to take him away to harvest his organs because it was on his driver's license that he, he was an organ donor. And when somebody has been declared brain dead, that surgical team has the right legally to come in and take that person over your objections. Did you know that? The pastor stood up to those people and said, you get out of this room right now or I will call the police. I mean, there was a major confrontation going on there. You know, if you want to be an organ donor, that's wonderful. I commend you for that. But make sure that whoever's in charge of your medical decisions knows that so they can make the decision so they're not put in the position of having to defend your body until they've decided they're going to let you go home.
2: Actually, the pastor said, over my dead body, are you going to take... This the young organs man. of this young man, because had they called the police, the police would, would have sided with the hospital because it was legal. And you really, if, if you are an organ donor and that's on your driver's license, uh, the family has no say. Whenever the medical establishment determines that you're dead, even if the rest of the family is standing and believing God, uh, it's too bad. The, the medical community has the right. Uh, that's a illegal that's a legal reality, okay. so you just might want to think about that
1: yeah i read. I had it on my driver's license and when I found this out i re, I went ahead and went to, to the uh, website and rescinded that so you need you need to consider that just make that yeah, your family if they know what your desires are what your you know what your choices would be, they can always let the, the hospital know that at that particular time I mean, give them that option, but don't. Don't put them in a position of having to fend off somebody who wants to just come and take you away because you have it on your driver's license. So you need to consider that. Uh, there's just some things here that you just need to know. Uh, life insurance. You know, when, as we get older, we don't have as many responsibilities, don't have as many outstanding debts, so maybe life insurance is not as necessary. But if you're young and you have dependent children, life insurance is something that you do need. When you're young, you can buy term, in, term policy very cheaply, so you need to consider getting some to protect your family in the event something happens to you. Well, I'm believing God. Well, you know, maybe that drunk driver down coming down the road's not. And maybe you didn't hear when the Holy Ghost said, turn, stop, do this, do that, and that drunk driver takes you out. Your family needs to be protected. You know, you need to make sure that whatever commitments you have in this life could be covered by by any kind of life insurance that you, know, you might choose to take, whether it's whole life or whatever kind of term life or whatever it is. But especially if you have young, dependent children you know, and, and, you know, it would be hard, say, for Rayleigh and Luke. What would Luke do if something happened to Rayleigh? He's got four children to take care of. Likewise, what would Rayleigh do if she didn't have Luke? I mean, there's a lot of things that would happen. As, as, a, as, a, as a father, he's got to go to work. He can't, be, he can't become Mr. Mom. He's got to work. But what would help him would be some life insurance to help cover the cost of child, extra child care for him to work you need to consider these things and by all means you know now like I say as we get older maybe these things aren't quite as necessary we don't have as quite as many financial commitments maybe maybe we've paid off our homes that's great that's wonderful you know but consider at least if you're not going to have life insurance make sure you have enough money stashed somewhere to pay for your funeral (laughs) you know it's just sound it's just sound practical wisdom is what that is um I told you about the fact that you don't. If you if you get certain things in order, you don't have to have a will. Uh, for us, we have all of all of our uh, bank accounts have beneficiaries named our sons. Uh, all of our life insurance policies have our sons named as beneficiaries. All of our retirement stuff has our sons named as beneficiaries. Uh, we, we own some property out by the river way out past Branford, and our children are listed on, on a particular kind of deed. Now, I, I called it a ladybird deed last time, so that's not it. I looked it up, and it is, in some places, it is called a ladybird deed, or it can be called an enhanced uh, life. And I had that paper And I left it on my desk. And I was enhanced. ah, I am sorry. I I, I went to all that trouble of looking at an enhanced life estate deed. And there were several things I had listed that I I printed out. If you list somebody on this particular kind of deed, that means that upon your death, they become the owners of that property without having to go through probate. Without having, you having to have a will saves an enormous amount of time and money if you have that kind of a deed on your property. It still gives you the power to maintain ownership, to maintain your right to sell it, do whatever you want to it, but only upon your death does that property transfer then to the person that you've named on this deed. Now we don't have a home yet, you know. I'm we're building, but when we go to make our construction loan into a conventional loan, long-term loan, that's the kind of deed that we're going to have. You can get any any piece of property you've got, you can you can go back to an attorney and you can spend a hundred or so dollars, I think it is, and have that made into a enhanced life estate deed. Amen. So, those are just things that I want you to consider. But over these last few weeks we've had We've had several people who've come to me with different stories of things that I want you to hear. And um, uh, I, had, I, even, I didn't ask her before church, so I wouldn't say who it is. But somebody came to me after I think the first week uh, that we started talking about this. And, and they wrote me a little note and said that they had gone home and looked at what they were spending, had written down everything and looked at some, what they were spending and decided some things that really weren't necessary at all. And they got rid of those things. And the savings on just those things, those few couple of things, was enough to pay their property taxes for the whole year. Amen. You know, that's why you need need to look at some things on a regular basis. Keep abreast of what's going on with your finances. Then, um, come here, Tim. You know, we talked about credit cards. And I'm going to have Jay come up here in a minute and talk about credit cards. But I want you to know, credit cards are for people who know how to handle credit cards. If you don't know how to handle a credit card, leave them alone. But, you know, I know Dave Ramsey has this thing about credit cards. You don't have a credit card because all those wonderful benefits you get from them are just not worth it. But I want you to hear what, I mean, I told you, my American Express has taken us to Hawaii a couple of times and some other places as well. So I want you to tell them what you told me. It's on.
2: It's on. Hey, man, I was out in the lobby, had security that night, and Pastor Angela was talking about, the uh, you know, paying the credit card as soon as you get the bill. And I'm a check off. You know, I, I, when I hear something, I check it off. Or I, you know, if pastors teaching or pastor angle, yeah, I'm doing that. No, I, that needs work. Well anyway, I check that part off. Because the way I do a credit card is when it comes off of my, when it comes off a of pendant, I transfer from my checking account to the card and pay it right there and then. Well then she started talking about points. I said, now what what in the world is points thing is she's talking about. So when I got home, I always saw a thing on the on the online deal that says view points, but I never knew what it was. So I clicked on it, on the phone. and <laughs> I had 106,000 and something points on that card, because I had the card, it says 2003, but never do nothing about it, and it says, would you like to redeem them? I push yes on that, and they put $1,064 in my, in my checking account. <laughs> Just by listening to Pastor Angela, so. <laughs> y'all, well, y'all trust and obey.
1: Hey, where's my commission on that? <laughs> You, you need, when you have a credit card, you need to know the details of this credit card. You need to know what, what benefits there are to it and what it's going to cost you. Are there, are there fees involved in it? You know, what are the late fees? You know, if you, most credit cards are somewhere around 18% interest. If you're late on a credit card, they can zoom that interest up to 20-something percent. Do not ever make late payment and do not ever pay just the amount they say the minimum amount due never do that. You always pay the minimum plus whatever interest might be accrued there. But I thought that was great. You know, you, you might not be able to handle a credit card. Fine. Don't get one. But if you do have one, make sure you got a good one. You know, you can shop around. There are good ones with great, great benefits on them. And, you know, you could be like, but Tim, you know, you could wind up with money. You didn't even, wow, that's great. You know, there's a lot of cash back reward stuff. Uh, then we were talking about record keeping. Why record keeping is so important. Don't just throw things in a box. You know, don't just think, well, it's, you know, okay, it's no big deal. Warranties, you know, you, you'll need a receipt if you have to go back and you and have to use a warranty. But Patty came to me with a great testimony. Come on, Miss Patty. Now, this, ha- this speaks to investing while you're young. It, it speaks to uh, record-keeping. It speaks to keeping up with making sure that whoever you're dealing with financially knows where to find you.
3: I was fortunate enough to work for a company for seven years, and they asked me to participate in the retirement program. So I did. I had $400. So I'm looking at, I'm at retirement age, and so...
1: How old were you when you put that 400 in there?
3: I was in my early 40s, I guess. Okay. So, anyways, um, after I left the company, I have moved about 32 times. So that's a lot of address changes. But I kept up with it. You know, I just (laughs) kept up with it. Patrick said,
1: are you on the run?
3: (laughs) (laughs) So I got a letter in the mail. Oh, good. They got my address changed, and they sent me a letter. And they're changing the retirement program, and um, they're giving me options. So would I like to roll it over, or do I want to check? Well, for the $400, they were offering me $15,000, um, if I wanted a check Well as it turned out it turned to be it, I I ended up with the check for over $20,000 so $400 that was a good investment <laughs> Record-keeping, it's wonderful
1: yeah, see, this has to do with, with investing. You might think, oh, this is a small amount to put into savings. It's a small amount to put into a retirement plan. But when you're young, it's got time to grow. Of course, to me, 40s is young, you know. But, but the sooner you get started, the more money it's going to make. But if you move, you change jobs, you change addresses, make sure somebody knows where to find you. That money could, be, could have been lost. There are millions of dollars that go lost. Every year the state of Florida is trying to find people who have left money in bank accounts, who've left money in savings accounts, who've left money in all kinds of places. They're trying to find them so they can they can give it to them because it's been turned over to the state once the banks or the institutions can't find you anymore. They turned over to the state. The state then is obligated to try to locate you. If they can't locate you, they get to keep it. They get enough money. Let's not give them more than they deserve, okay? So there were those things. Oh, let's see, there was. Those three we've talked about. Uh, now Jay had come came to me a couple weeks ago and he said, "Pastor Angela, I have some good information about credit cards that I think people might might need to be aware of." Jay, where are you, bud? Come here. I thought he wasn't here a while ago went running out and to find him. You better be here. <laughs> he was just coming in the door. Thank you. Is it on? Yeah.
0: Hey guys. Um, so it's not credit cards; it's credit reports and credit scores. Um, and can I give a testimony? Oh,
1: absolutely. Okay,
0: because I really was hoping there was going to be a little bit extra time on the tail end of Miss Lori's uh, talk, because I got down to my last dollar once, and I decided to put it in the offering bucket. Let me back up. When I was 20 years old, I made some uh, very dumb decisions, some mistakes as a young man, imagine that, and um, Mm -hmm. I literally got down to my last dollar, and um, I was running on fumes uh, in my truck to get here. I thought I was going to you know, run out of gas on the way here, uh, but just before that, I, my ace in the hole was I had a big stack of textbooks back when those existed, had a big stack of textbooks that I was going to take to orange and blue textbooks, and I was expecting maybe $100, six textbooks, you would think. I paid probably $600 for them. Why would I not get some money? Go to orange and blue textbooks, and they say, oh, we can't take this one, and we can't take that one, and we can't take this one, and I said, well, we can't, why don't? Why can't you? You're orange and or blue textbooks. And you. I saw an ad that says, we take anything. We will buy anything from you as long as it's a textbook. The guy says, I can give you a dollar for six textbooks. I, was, I said, okay, I'll take the dollar. <laughs> and that was back in 2011. What were gas prices in 2011? That might have gotten me a quart of gas, that $1. That wasn't getting me anywhere. So I came here, and um, not many people... Well, Maybe they do. I don't want to say that. But I, I want to call having that last dollar an opportunity. doesn't sound like that, but to trust God and to have nothing else to possibly put your trust in, not money. I'm not, you know, my paycheck's on the horizon, but it's, it's not coming quick enough. Not having anything else to rely on but God and giving God that last dollar. Don't you know I had a phone call waiting on me as soon as I got up to my truck. Somebody needed me, my truck. And they need to help move something right now. I need it done right now. I said, I'm out of gas and I'm out of money. I will, one of my roommates is out in Alachua. I will send them to you. And they delivered cash to me. Y- you know, <laughs> that's not coincidence. I gave my last dollar and all of a sudden I had 20 more dollars. You know, and you don't give to, to get. You give to honor God because it's his money in the first place. But I was down to my last dollar. And what do you know? You know it, what um, do you know? It, it pays. It pays to honor God. So if you're ever down to your last dollar, throw it in the offering bucket, frankly. So I want to get to my points. Um, I, I was looking for my notes, and I put them in a random uh, notebook, and I couldn't find them initially when I was sitting over there. I was flipping through women's health and EKG notes, and I was where's my credit <laughs> notes? I found them. I found them. We don't, we're not going to talk about women's health tonight. So Thankfully. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of people don't know uh, what a credit score is. A credit score is a uh, an imperfect system of measuring how responsible you are with borrowed money. Dave Ramsey has stuff to say about it. Um, plenty of people have stuff to say about it. Dave Ramsey is right in that it's a very imperfect system. But what I don't agree with Dave Ramsey on is that you shouldn't participate. Dave Ramsey says, I don't even have a credit score, which is wonderful. Dave Ramsey's also a millionaire. Uh, you know, Oh, wonderful. I'm glad he doesn't have to borrow money. Um, uh, a lot of people do, though. Um, you know, some people borrow too much. But what you do have to borrow money for is to buy a house. Most people are not wealthy enough to buy a house cash. I'm not. Um, so you know, you need a credit score because that greatly impacts how much money you might pay over a lifetime of a mortgage. Um, other things you might not know that credit is used for these days. Do you know that it's used for? Um, rental properties, if you go to rent from somebody, a lot of people pull, pull your credit. If you're sitting down yeah, low... Tim
1: over there shaking his head. They have a couple of rental houses and they pull credit scores. Tim, you pull credit scores?
0: Yeah, it's a good idea. If you go to somebody and you say, hey, uh, I, I'd like to rent your property. I'd like to move my family in here. And they pull your credit score and it's sitting kind of low. They, they might turn you down. And other people might turn you down. And other people might turn you down. That's not something you want. Just like car insurances. Check your credit. Car insurances, that can affect not how much of a risk you are uh, out on the road, but how much of a risk you are to pay your bill. Car insurances will pull it and it can affect how much you pay monthly or, or biannually. Do you know that employers are starting to pull credit reports? Yes. That's, that gets scary. <laughs>
3: if an employer pulls
0: your credit score and, and you're already having a hard time with payments and now you have no way to get paid yourself because of your credit score, that's a disaster. So there's a lot of stuff that goes into than just your credit card interest rate. Um, And of course, car loans and mortgages, which are much more reasonable forms of debt than say uh, enormous credit card debt. Three main credit reporting bureaus. Um, There's a lot more out there, there's actually more than 100. uh, But the three main ones you have to worry about are Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion. Uh, And they make money off of uh, spying on you, basically. That's why I don't like this whole system, but it doesn't mean you don't need to participate Mm -hmm. Um, due to the Fair Credit Reporting Act of 1996, I believe it was, uh, you now have access to those files that they compile on you, and that gives you an opportunity to know exactly where you stand. Uh, There's three main factors that go into your credit score, and these are... The three big ones uh, that can really, if you pay attention to these three, you can shoot your credit score up. Now, I told Pastor Angela, I was like, Pastor Angela, one time I had a credit score of 825. And what did you say? yours was? 840. She said 840. I was like, ouch. I thought I was doing good. And she blew me out of the water. <laughs> so um, the, first, uh, the first criteria they use is payment history. Are you on time? And are you only paying the minimums? Um, that's... Uh, I've seen that explained as 35% of what goes into your credit score. So if you can just be on time and pay more than the minimum, that goes a long way in improving your credit or keeping your credit good. Second criteria is how much of your credit are you using? If you have a credit card that has a limit of $1,000 and that's all you have, I'm using $1,000 just as a nice round number. If you can use less than 30% of that, that's good. If you can use less than 10% of that, that's phenomenal. It'll shoot your credit score up in just a few months. Um, Now the way you can do that is, maybe you have to run a little bit higher. As soon as you put a big purchase on, say a $1,000 credit limit, pay it off immediately. Or pay off a chunk of it immediately. It only matters what comes at the end of the cycle, how much they have. If you buy $500 on a $1,000 credit line, you pay off 300 so that your bill comes due for 200. Is everybody with me on that? That's 20% of your used credit And they only see that. They don't care about the rest of it. They only see what came due on your bill at the end of your cycle. So you can keep it less than 10%. It'll shoot up quick. And then 15% is length of credit history. You know, that's just as long as you've been holding credit. Um, uh, Student loans, uh, house loans, um, mortgages, uh, car loans, credit cards, any of that stuff. Um, So what you need to be doing is you need to be paying attention to those and you need to check your scores. There's two ways of doing that. Uh, you can get one free report from each of the main bureaus yearly. You can go to their website. That's Equifax, Experian, or TransUnion. Make sure you're going to their website, not a fake. That can happen. Um, and they're obligated by law to give you one free report per year. If you stagger them every four months, you have a pretty good idea of where your credit score is, and that's a good way to keep, uh, keep track of it. Alternatively, if you have credit cards, if you go to their website, most of them offer you a month-to-month credit score that they have to check anyway to adjust your interest rate. You can check right on their website. Just a perk of having a credit card these days. You can get a month-by-month, play-by-play, you know, snapshot of your credit. So that is a good way to keep track and you can see it tick up. Um, one thing you can do for your kids is if your credit is good, make them an authorized user, user on your credit card. Don't give them a credit card. Uh, that was That was something that I probably didn't need as a young man is having a credit card with my parents. And, you know I was on there, but they also gave it to me to pay for gas, but I used it for a few more things than gas. <laughs> so um, give them, make them an authorized user. Don't give them any plastic. It's a, <laughs> that's it. Just, that's just a little word of wisdom from somebody who uh, didn't use it correctly. Make your kids authorized users and then keep that credit file good. Keep that credit score high. It gives them a big boost. It gives them a big jump both in that long history but also a good history. That can make a big, big difference for them. Say your, your kids wind up in their mid-20s and they're ready to buy a house and they have been doing school, uh, you know, uh, if they have that thick credit file, like they call it, that can make a huge, huge difference in, in, for your kids. So I think that's about all I got for credit.
1: Oh, is that all?
0: Do you want me to talk more? I can. Credit. Uh, I'm I'm a I'm a big finance nerd. Um, I
1: I would like to say if you if you check your credit score and you find out there are mistakes in there because there is an Angela Anderson somewhere around here and mm-hmm. I'm going for real. Mm-hmm. I saw her name come up on something the other day and I'm going. Who would know that there was another Angela Anderson around this area? Actually, we went to we went someplace one time and we found out there was another Edwin and Angela Anderson. And I'm going in Florida, and I'm going, how weird is that? But it means that things could get mixed up. Mm-hmm. You could get information from somebody else with your same name, or some maybe somebody's made a mistake on the. Um, numbers associated with your name, maybe your social security number, you need to make sure that everything that's on there is correct. And if it's not, get it off of there. Get get hold of these people and make sure you put in a uh, request for them to make adjustments to the, that information. Yeah.
0: Unfortunately, I uh, came unprepared to address that point. It's never even occurred to me, not a ton of J-Jets out there, believe it or not. So um, Angela Anderson might be a little bit more. A little
1: weird. A little, <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
0: a little bit more. Uh, There's only
1: common. one of me. Come on. <laughs>
0: that's, that's That's true. Um, uh, <laughs> I do, ya. So that's that's all I got. For okay. Advice.
1: All, all right. right. Well, I appreciate that. You know, there's a lot of financial wisdom around here, and um, and you need to take advantage of if you know somebody's good with something, take advantage of their knowledge, what they've gained. But you know, we're talking about practical life skills here, and uh, you know, not taking care of these the natural side of life when it comes to finances is like not taking care of your natural body. And thinking you're going to stay healthy, I mean it doesn't make sense. God expects us to do do a certain amount. You know, we talked about the scripture. You know that talks about how the. Um, um, let's see, I wrote this one down. That we're we're to ha- that the men of this world have more business sense than the people who are children of light. That should not be. We should be some of the wisest people around when it comes to money. You know, and, and don't say, well, I just believe God. How Get, get a grip. You know, here, do, do your part, and your part is to get some, get some knowledge here. You know, we, people say, well, I don't need to know all this stuff. Yeah, you do. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You know, the whole point is not to get you so involved in the natural that you don't have any room for God to talk to you. But, you know, there are things that, that because we take care of the natural, God will open up things to us because we're already taking care of the part that we can do. You know, it's a cooperation thing. In every, in every faith venture there, there is, in every part of our lives, we, God has a part. And we have a part. And, uh, and, and taking care of money issues is a life skill that we ought to be teaching to our children as they grow up. They need to start when they're young. I mean, and somebody gives them a dollar when they're three. You start telling them about tithing, that a dime of that goes to God. That's for God. That's God. That belongs. You tell them this belongs to God. We're not giving this to God. We're giving God back what is already his. You need to. Some people don't seem to understand that when they're adults. That, that the 10% already belongs to him. He's already said, that's mine. That's mine. And all I'm asking you to do is just give me back what's mine. That's where we start with God's system of things. But it's a life skill that we need to teach our children just like we teach them how to make up a bed. Just like we teach them how to cook, how to clean, how to do laundry—you know, all those things—it's to take responsibility. And the and the earlier they begin to take responsibility in these areas, the better they're going to be at it when they're on their own. And we do a great disservice to our children not making them take responsibility and not teaching them how to handle money. Uh, you know. You can laugh, you know, you know, some kids, you know, they'll save, they'll, you know, they'll put all their money together and they'll save it up, save it up to buy one big thing. And the next kid will come along and they can't keep a nickel in their pocket. They got, they got any kind of money, they're going to spend it. You know, we need to teach them what it's like to be wise with the money that they have. I ran and just accidentally ran into this on the internet today. I want you to listen to this. And, and what's, so, what's so heart-rending about this is that we just found out from, from somebody, we know we were acquaintances with somebody, you know, that this has happened to, um, that I'll get to in a minute, but let me read you this, this little bit of statistics here. It says 80% of parents give some kind of financial support to their adult children. That may be just a few dollars here and maybe a lot of money. Listen to that. 80% of parents give some kind of financial support to their adult children to the tune of $500 billion a year. And that figure is twice what the parents are able to put into retirement. They're underwriting their kids, their adult children, and neglecting their own futures. Now, this was a 2018 survey done by the Bank of America, Merrill Lynch, and an um, institution called Age Wave, which, is, which takes into account all these re- different retirement things. And you think, well, you know, that's not me. I don't, you know, that's not blah. blah, blah. Listen, we, we just found out about a, a gentleman who is 90, is he 90, 91? He's 92 years old. And um, he has an adult child who went through some life changes a few years ago and needed to, to come back home. Well, his child is probably as old as we are, maybe a little younger, maybe two years old. So he's in his early 60s now, and, and he has lived there for several years. When he came to live with his father, this was supposed to be a temporary thing, and he stayed and he stayed and he stayed, and he didn't get a job, and he didn't do what he needed to do until his father had to kick him out and had to say, you need to get out of here. You need to go get a job. You need to find your own place to live. You need to pay your own bills, and he said, I'm not leaving. This is my house, and his father looked at him and said, oh, no, no, no. This is my house you're living in, and I'm tired of paying your bills, and had to put him out and had to get a restraining order to keep him from trying to come back. Now, that's an extreme case. Okay, I understand that. But what I'm telling you is, if we don't teach our children financial responsibility as they're growing up, this is what we'll wind up with. You know, more and more adult children who need, who, who need you know, help. And that's great when it's temporary. I mean, everybody has found themselves in a the spot where you, you need some help. You know, to get through a certain period. But it shouldn't become like, okay, now I'm back, you know, like I was when I was six now instead of 60. Shouldn't be that. We, we are enabling children, adult children. You know, I had a lady tell me one time that every she had like five kids or something. She said every time one of them left home, she downsized to a smaller house with fewer rooms so they couldn't come back. <laughs> I thought, well, that's, that's funny, you know, but, you know, maybe that's kind of sad. I don't know. But, but we, need, we, need, we need to teach our children what it is, what it means to, to be responsible with their money. We need to teach them what it's like to give and expect God to be the source, not mama and daddy. And, you know, we can help them over the hump when they need to get over the hump. But to go beyond that because of repeated bad decisions on their part is nothing more than enabling them. And this young man should have been put out within a year of his coming to live with his dad again. Because that should have been time for him to, you know, get back in the job force. I'm not sure what his job situation was, but it should have given him time to get stable enough again to find his own place to live. You know, sometimes things happen in people's lives where it feels like you're starting over. You know, I was at this point when I was 20-something, and now I'm 40-something, and it feels like I'm starting over. Well, fine, start over. But start over with more wisdom than you had when you were 20. Yeah. You know, that's the thing. Maybe you, you know, something happened that you, 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 know, you couldn't avoid. Well, great, you have more wisdom. You're supposed to have more wisdom now at 40 than you did at 20. Okay, but we need, we need to help them. So um, what I want to do here is just to give you some reasons why budgets are beneficial, uh, and I think we've covered some of them, but I just want to be real clear about this. You know, you say, well, I don't need a budget. Well, yeah, you do. There's a lot of reasons why they're a benefit to you. Number one, it's part of stewardship. God expects us to be stewards of everything that he puts into our lives, all the resources that he gives us, no matter what they are. We steward steward our body, we steward our mind, we steward our friendships, we steward our, our money, we steward everything. And a budget is to help you with your stewardship of the financial assets that he's put into your life. Number two, it gives you knowledge. And knowledge is connected to the spiritual things of life. You know, it says that my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Well, how can you get yourself out of a financial place if you don't know where your financial place is? You have no idea what kind of shape you're in financially. So you have to have some knowledge. You have to you have to get in there and find out who I owe, what I owe, what's what got coming in, what I've got going out, and then and then I can get a plan. Because Hey, guy says, consider your ways. You get all this money coming in and it just goes out like holes in your pockets. Well, why? Proverbs says the curse causeless does not come. If there's a cause, you need to find out what it is. And one of the ways we find out is by getting some knowledge here about where we stand financially. Um, Number two is to be able to make the most of what we already have. Seriously, to make the most of what we have. You know, for somebody to look and go, okay, well, I really don't need this bill. This is, this, is, this is a service thing that I could do without. It's not like I use it that much. Why am I paying this much for this? And this you know, it's like the example I gave you earlier about somebody who said they just removed a couple of things and that savings will pay their property taxes this year. That's what you need to do. You make the most of what you have. Number three, it helps us gain wisdom in this life. We referred to Luke 18, 8 about their people of this world have more business sense than the men who enjoy spiritual light, which is the children of God. We need wisdom in this area. That's what a budget will help you do. Number four, and this is a big one, it helps us plan for the future. Listen, God is a God of order. If you go back to Genesis, you see how God put this world together. He had a plan. He had an order. When he put your body together, he had a plan. He had an order to it. Can you imagine if your pancreas was sitting up here on the side of your neck? I mean, you know, why the toes toes would be out of place. God had a plan. He had a system in place. You need a financial system in place. Proverbs 20, verse 18, it says, prepare plans by consultation. If you don't know something where it comes to to finances, find somebody who does, who can help you. You prepare plans by by consultation. Proverbs 24, 3 says, any enterprise is built by wise planning, becomes strong through common sense, and profits wonderfully by keeping abreast of the facts. There you go, planning, maintaining, and record keeping. It's it's all in there. That's part of it. Proverbs 6, verse 8 talks about the ant. Consider her ways. She makes provision in the summer and harvests in the fall. She's got a plan. She this is she's gonna she's gonna plant here, we're gonna harvest here. Some of us need to do some planting. We need to do some gathering. God wants you to prosper, but there are ways to do this. Proverbs 21, 20 says, The wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. Listen, you ought to have a little nest egg, and, and maybe, maybe $500 is as much as you can come up with over the course of two or three months. Fine. You've got a little backup right there. You know, the plan is not to use it just because, you know, you just want to go out of town or go to Disney this weekend. The plan is that it's there for an emergency if I need it. That's what it's there for. You need to have something set aside, saved up. You know, the, I think the rule of thumb is, what is it? They, they ideally, you should have, what, a six-month salary in reserve. Is that what it is, Dan? Do you know? Six months of salary in reserve. I don't know anybody who does. You know, they've got that, that much saved and set aside. They could actually put their hands on, on that much you know money right away. Miss Paula, do you have that, that? All right, that's great, Um, but you need to save, guys. You need to save. You know, no matter what age you are, you you need to have some savings somewhere that you can you can fall back on should you need it. Does that nullify believing God? No, it doesn't. It doesn't. It means you're prepared for the enemy hits you up with something. You know, you don't suddenly go into meltdown mode. You know, you've got something there and you can always believe God to put it right back in there. Uh Proverbs 21:5 says, steady I know this you're not gonna like this one. Steady plotting brings prosperity. Steady plotting brings prosperity. It's not always fun, you know, to do the best thing financially. Sometimes it just is like, oh man. I just want to go do this. I just want to go do this. Listen, you should get to a place where you plan for some splurges. Not crazy splurges, but some splurges. Go out and buy buy something that you really just want. You know, you don't necessarily need. You just want or just go out to eat or or just do something. I mean, listen, you know, plan for that kind of stuff. It's it's fine, but steady. You know, prosperity comes as a progress. It's a progressive thing. You know, we start out here and we get to here because along the way we've made good decisions. And that let's see, in the Proverbs 13, says, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. That's a man who planned. That's a man with a plan. It really is. You can't leave an inheritance to your children's children unless you've made some good plans. I, I know Dad Hagen when he started out, I mean, it was, he, he had very little. I mean, have you heard the stories about him Him going down the road, you know, traveling home in the in the middle of the night, you know, after a service, he's, he's on his way home and his tires are bald and he's got no money, no money to, to replace those tires. And it was just like those tires were saying, what are you going to do now? 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 And he just kept doing what God told him to do. And God said, if you just, if you just stay with me, if you stay with me, you know, I'll make you prosperous. And he did. Before he died, he was able to help every one of his grandchildren, which I think he had five, five grandchildren. He had five grandchildren. He helped every one of them get a home when they got married. That's leaving an inheritance to your children's children. But, you know, it, it, in the early days, it doesn't seem like it's any fun. It doesn't seem like it's, it, it's all sacrifice. It was, but I'm telling you, when you just continue to do what God's talking to you about and you manage what you have well... You'll get to that place where you have something to leave to your children's children. Number five, or I think we're at six, what a budget will do is will help you prevent careless spending, flesh episodes, and bad decisions. Now, you know, I liken this to, you know, I can liken a lot of things to food. But, you know, there are times when we just make some really bad money decisions you know, you just, you've been good, you've been at it for, you know, for a while, you know, you've just really been good, but just suddenly I just see something and I just, I, I gotta have that. I was in the grocery store the other night, you know, and y'all know my story about potato chips. I love them. And I just thought, I just, I just had a kind, of a kind of a day that was just kind of like just real frustrating. And I said, bless God, I'm gonna have some potato chips. <laughs> so I went to the store. That was my goal. That was my motive in walking into Winn-Dixie. If it's on sale, fine. If it's not, I'm buying those potato chips. So I went home and I ate a half a bag of potato chips. Not a good idea. You know, when you say, okay, Lord, you know, help me with this, you know, a budget will help you that, with that. When You can actually see that this is not a good idea. You won't give in to those little flesh episodes. You won't do those careless kind of spending. Well, oh, it's just a few dollars here and there. Listen, a few dollars adds up. It, I mean, if, if, you can, if you can just think, you know, and just these little things, if you took them and you wrote them all down over the course of a week, just these 2 or $3 things every day, you wrote them down over the course of one week and added them up, I bet you'd be shocked at what you had spent on nothing, on absolutely nothing. So that would help. Uh, Number seven, it helps us to discipline our flesh. Listen, isn't one of the fruit of the Spirit self-control? A budget should help you with your self-control. It really should. They should say, yes, I need this. No, I don't need this. Um, I could buy that, but is that a wise thing to do right now? No, it's not. That's exercising self-control. I can afford to buy that, but I choose not to buy. I choose not to buy that. I just choose not to. As a way to inflict my will over what my flesh is talking to me. That's learning self-control. Next, uh, it helps us to know where to put our faith. When you've got it all in black and white, you're looking at it going, oh, this doesn't look good. Okay, I need to be believing God for this, this, and this. It will help you pinpoint where you need to put your faith. What areas do you need to put your faith in? Where do you you need to attack a, a certain area, you know I need to put my faith on this particular area that will help you do that. Next, uh, well, in 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 the middle of all that, you know, knowing where to put your faith, you you can look at that two ways. Okay, where do I need to put my faith just to meet my needs? Where do I need to put my faith to be able to sow? See. Your natural, your natural management of your money is going to involve sowing. It's going to involve sowing. If it doesn't, then you're just, you're just trying to operate strictly out of your head. And that's never going to get you to where God wants you to go. Never. Uh, you, need, you need to take that opportunity to say, I need to put my faith here. I need to apply my faith in this particular area. And then you, you get to exercise your dominion and your authority in those areas. Okay, I need to apply my faith, and I need to exercise authority. Just like, you know, I tell you, Pastor and I, you hear him pray over the offering at any time. We do it personally, just the two of us together. Satan, you take your hands off my money. Angels of God, you go out and you bring. You bring the finances to us. That's something you need to get in the habit of doing. And a budget will help you know those places where you need to exercise that authority and take your your dominion in those areas. It also helps you locate your measure of faith so that you do not exceed it. I told you the story a few weeks ago about somebody who came to me years ago. We had a project going on in the old church. And they said, Pastor Angela, I, I, I've i got a problem. You know, we we as a couple committed to a certain amount of money to this project every month. And she said, I just, I'm not there. I'm just not there. That's stretching us beyond what, what, I, can, what I can believe God for. And it's causing problems between, between me and, and my spouse. And I said, then by all means, don't do that. You need to know where your measure of faith is, where you have a peace about something. There are times, you know, when a project may come up and you looking at your budget, you and there's no way I can do that. Well, put your faith on it. Push faith, faith God, provide seed to this to this sower. I'm a sower. If you give me the seed, I will sow it. But you'll have you'll have to know that. But you'll have to be able to not exceed what you can believe God for. Where y- y- the point is not to believe God for a thousand dollars and get in, and get nowhere with it and be disappointed. Your, your job is to say, okay, I can believe God for 10 extra dollars. And it come in and go, yeah, that's a boost to your faith. But you have to be realistic with yourself and figure out where is it that I that I, know, I know without a shadow of a doubt I can believe God for this. And you go for it. And I guarantee you that in a short amount of time, that measure of faith is going to rise. And where you're comfortable is, is going to go up. Amen. Um, it helps us to be a good testimony in this world. You know, Jay was talking about credit scores. And I I know of churches right now who are even starting to do credit scores for the staff that they're potentially hiring. Now, that's sad. You know, you got somebody who's going to be working in the ministry, and you've got to pull a credit report on them just to make sure you want them on your staff? Come on. But it's happening all the time. And so you need to be a good testimony you know of the goodness of God in your life and how you handle the, the matters of this life. You know, make sure your bills are paid on time. Early is better, but at least on time. That you don't try to run out on your bills. That you, you, if you have, if you have an issue, you know something, a job situation changes. You go to anybody you owe money to. You talk to them. You explain to them what's going on. I guarantee you, there's a lot of grace. That's a place to put favor into in motion. It's a lot of pl- that's the place to put grace into action in your life. You know, let them work with you because most of the time they're very willing to work with you. So you be a good testimony before men with your money, and a budget will help you do that. And lastly, it puts us in a position to prosper God's way. You know, he, he, when, when you do this and you manage what you have... You manage it well. He sees what you're doing. I mean, the Bible gives us the, the example of the servants with the talents and what one did and what another did and what another did. He doesn't expect us all to operate at the same level all the time. He just expects us to operate well at the level we're in. That's why he was, the, the master was angry with the one servant who did nothing with what he had. You could have done something. I didn't expect you to come up with as much money as this guy did or this guy did, but you could have done something. Listen, do something naturally with your, look at your, look at your budget and find, make one, make one. If you don't have one, make one. You know, and, you know, it shows him where your heart is. You know, if your heart, if you, if you're just looking at a budget, just something that you can know how to meet just your own needs and that's all, that says something to God. Your budget ought to be a reflection of the fact that you want to meet your obligations that you've made, being being a good testimony in this life. It also means that you're willing to believe him to become a bigger sower. He wants to see that you're interested in other people as much as you're interested in yourself. Um, Your willingness to be a blessing, to be a conduit of blessing. The fact that you're willing to give him access to your finances will tell him that that you're ready to operate out of heaven's economy. When it comes to sowing, don't ever think that, you know, $5, well, that's nothing. Listen, if that's what you got, that's what you got. Jay sowed a dollar. You don't ever know if God put something on your heart to give somebody $5. What, What a pivotal moment that might be in their life. You don't know where they're at. You don't know what they've been saying to God. I told you the story one time about how when in the early days of the church, I guess it was probably we'd been here maybe about a year living in Gilchrist County. We, I mean, we just had to had to budget our money to the the max because, I mean, you know, from week to week you just didn't know what might be there, what might not be there. Everything was very, you know, uh, up and down. You know, it wasn't a very stable financial situation for us at the time. And and I was complaining to God about why is this so hard? We had, we were living comfortably before we did all of this, before we we agreed to do all this. And now it's just like every dime, you know, it's just, you know, it's just, Everything's just so hard. We're having to believe you, believe you for, for this and that all the time. I, you know, and God, had seen God move. I mean, just like the children of Israel. You see God move, and you, in two months later, you're back to complaining about something. You know, and that's where I was. I was just complaining, and I rode my bicycle down the mail to the mailbox, three miles down the road. And I got there, and there was a card in there from an old friend, and it was a $20 bill in there. I mean, my hair had gone from short to long because we couldn't afford for me to get a haircut. I'd cut the boy's hair myself. You know, I'd pay for Pastor to get a haircut because he wasn't going to let me touch his hair. But the boys had no choice. But my hair got longer and longer and longer because there was no money to get a haircut. And uh, so I rode down there that day. I went to the mailbox. I saw this note from this old friend, and she had this $20 bill in there in cash, and it said, the Lord told me to put this in an envelope and tell you it's just for Angela. Listen, that was a pivotal moment in my life because I knew God was listening. He wasn't mad at me. He was compassionate toward me, and he wanted to make sure I knew he cared and that he was taking care of us. You don't know what five dollars might mean to somebody at any particular moment. So if God tells you to do it, you do it. We're not to be bound by a budget. It's to be used as a management tool. Not bound by it. It's not to keep us in the natural realm, but it's to prepare us to operate in the supernatural realm. That's what it's for. Dave Ramsey has a, an app on it. If you want to get started, he has an app that's free. It's called Everyday Dollar that can help you. Um, but you know, the whole point of this is to get the natural side of our life in position that God can use us. He can bless us and He can use us. We don't need to be interested so so much. Most of our most of our Effort shouldn't be toward getting us blessed. It should be an equal amount to being able to bless somebody else. Don't hang on to something that you have so tight. And and I grew because I grew up poor, and there was there was never any money when I was growing up until I was almost ready to leave home before things finally got a little easier. I mean, I grew up poor, really poor, and. Um, and so I have, I have had to, over these years, overcome the tendency to want to take and just hang on to everything. I can't let go of a dollar. No, 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 we can't. We need, we need to save this. We need to put this aside because we might need it later. I, you know, I've had to overcome a lot of that. You know, and thank God, you know I've, I've, you know, I've done a pretty good job. There are times I have a little relapse here and there because some, certain times, you know, amounts have gotten bigger, you know, and I have to go, Okay, I don't, I don't, I don't, know about that. I, I had to ask Pastor one time. He told me about something we should. He he felt like we were supposed to do, and I went, "Can I sleep on that? Uh, let just just give me a little while. just, just, just let me just give me a little, whew, okay. You know. So the next day we did it. You know, and I was always, and I've been glad, you know, that we did it. It was money well sown. But God doesn't want you to be so interested in just your needs all the time. He wants you to be in a position where you're managing what you have so that he can bless you with so much more. His prosperity system goes beyond the bounds of anything I can even think of because like Lori said last week, I do not understand his accounting when I should be in the red or in the black. I don't understand how that works, but it's there. You know, and that's what this is all about. That's what these last few weeks have been all about. So I'm hoping that you're going to take something from this. You know, and at least, at least take it, consider it, uh, put it into practice. You do your own research. You find out what's good for you. I can't customize it for you, young people. You need to get started now. You know, with learning these kind of things. Don't wait. Well, nobody ever taught me. Well, then you teach yourself. You go find somebody that can help you learn these things. Don't take that attitude, well, I don't know. You know that's not going to help you. you just because you don't know is not an excuse. Just for the rest of you, just because you don't know how is no excuse. You find out how. Because when you find out how to manage what you already have, you find yourself in a position where God can supernaturally enhance that, that, that financial realm in your life. And he wants to. But I set up to start out with this whole series. No amount of faith can make up for poor money management. None. No amount of faith. Uh, Matt Cameron, I read a, read a quote from him the other day that said, mismanagement of finances, relationships, and time will only complicate your life. So don't complicate your life uncomplicated and be ready Be just be ready to see what god will do in your life
2: at impact family church it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the word of
0: god we have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching